Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Subtle Asian Talks. We're just three Asian American women ready to talk topics from current events, pop culture, and college life. I'm your host, Cece. Hi, I'm Kilo. And I'm Nell. Welcome to our finale episode, everybody. Can you believe that we've made it this far? It's crazy. It's been 15 episodes? Yeah, we've started. We started back in May, right? Yeah. Yeah. When quarantine started. Well, no, a quarantine started in March, but, or at least for the United States, that, I mean, no shade, no tea there. It's fine. But, (laughs) But yeah, I don't time know. isn't real anymore. It's November <laughs> now. And I'm glad that we've made it so far. I didn't think we'd be in quarantine still, but alas, here we are. And as is per usual with the year 2020, um, it's just chaos and mayhem. And at the time that we're recording this episode, we're in the midst of the U.S. presidential election. So that's exciting. We have a lot of um, questionable legal decisions, questionable actions by our president. Won't get into that too much, but I'm sure, uh, along with our American listeners, that I'm sure you guys are just like refreshing the Electoral College map every couple minutes. I know I am, and I hope that our finale episode will kind of serve as hopefully a break from the news cycle and that you'll have a little bit of entertainment in the meantime while everything is going down. And today, we have our very first collaboration, and it's super exciting. And it was with the Grown Up Asian. And to kind of get into a little bit about what they're about, they're physicians and life coaches, and they've started the Grown Up Asian, which is their life coaching company. And we had a really good conversation about you know, living authentically and kind of forging your own path as an Asian American woman. And I hope you guys enjoy our conversation with them. Well, I'd like to have a warm welcome for both Jenny and Kathleen from the Grown Up Asian. And it's very exciting to have them as our first guest. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here, Cece. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Kilo. Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad uh, both of you reached out to us because to have us as your like your first podcast, if you will, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that you reached out because you have a lot of helpful advice that I think would be very beneficial to both us and our listeners. And I think you guys have a lot to offer in terms of your blog and your life coaching advice. And I would like to kind of get you guys to share a little bit about yourselves and kind of how you got started with the Grown Up Asian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We are so excited to be here and share, you know, everything that we've learned um, and we're still learning. Um, Basically, I am an internal medicine physician and I'm a life coach um, currently living in New Jersey. Um, I found life coaching through after struggling myself with, um, you know, the pressures of being a physician. I'm also a mom to young toddlers and, you know, just the pressure that we, I think, put on ourselves to do all the things in life. Um, And I sought out help from a physician coach um, myself. And it was very transformative in my life and changed, you know, how my thinking was and how my relationships were. And so from there, I decided to pursue coach training myself. And um, I started a physician coaching 
business. And that's how I met Kathleen actually was through Instagram and she had um, slid into my DMs and was <laughs> chatting me up <laughs> basically. Um, and that's how we became friends and sort of had this shared experience of being physicians and also um, being really into, you know, self-help and sort of like the coaching philosophy um, too. And my story is very similar. I had no idea what life coaching was prior to a couple of years ago. I did do a little bit of life coaching at my previous job, um, but I really sought it out in March or April of this year when the pandemic happened, because I was just dealing with a lot of um, struggles professionally and personally and throwing the pandemic on top of it. And then I started a leadership role. It was just a lot. And I felt very overwhelmed and alone too, um, especially because a lot of people were working from home. Um, and I had always gone through my training and my life thinking that, you know, my life is going to be better at this next point. It's not going to be as hard when I become X, Y, or Z. So every step in my life, I always thought, oh, this next step is going to be it. This is going to be it. This is when things are going to be better. And um, in my current job, I thought this was it. This was going to be my dream job. It is, but things were just a lot harder than I thought they were going to be. Um, and so, like I said, in March or April, that's when I sought out life coaching too. Um, and it really has changed, like Jenny said, the way I think my relationships, because what you're not taught in school and in life is really the power of your mind and how to harness that to create the life you want. And that's what we've both found through life coaching is that you can have the life you want. Um, and the power is within you. And so that's when I found Jenny through her uh, Instagram, and we were able to connect on all our shared experiences especially I think as Asian American women and what we go through. Lovely. Thank you for giving us a little intro about that. Um, so on our last podcast episode, we did a little segment of like how it started and how it's going. I don't know if y'all saw it on the, like uh, a trend on Twitter. And we were wondering if you're, if you can indulge us in uh, how it started for y'all and how you feel right now. And do you ever wish you pursued other passions outside of your current path? Um, so it kind of goes back to just this whole long journey to become a physician. That's definitely how it started. I mean, it, you know, begins really in, in college when you're pre-med. Um, and I think that what Kathleen was describing, um, which is really known as the arrival fallacy, this illusion that you'll be happy when X, Y, and Z happens. Um, I think physicians and people who are in, um, jobs that, you know, you're always striving for the next thing, uh, the next goal, the next achievement. So that goalpost just keeps moving. I think we're um, especially susceptible to that. Um, and so for me, you know, it started really in college being pre-med um, and then going to med school and then doing residency and getting your first job. Um, and like Kathleen said earlier this year with the pandemic, I had been feeling burnt out even before the pandemic. And I think a lot of doctors um, agree with that and people in healthcare probably share that same sentiment. Um, and so then the pandemic happened and then all of a sudden, you know, the strain, financial strains happened, people's salaries were getting cut, people were getting fired. Um, childcare was an issue for me um, because my 
childcare was someone that had, you know, vulnerabilities and who, if she got COVID, she would be really sick. She was seven years old. So all of a sudden, you know, I had all these balls up in the air and I just didn't know really what to do. And so I allowed myself, I gave myself permission after a lot of, um, you know, restless nights and just trying to figure out how to do it all. I finally just gave myself permission to just give myself a break and just take a step back. Um, and that's when I really, you know, found the coaching and was able to pivot. So, um, right now, you know, my husband was having some issues at his work too. And we're in the middle of a, a move to another state with two young toddlers. Um, and I decided to just start this business, which sounds crazy in a pandemic, but it's been the most rewarding thing I think that I've, that I've done. Um, and just being really intuitive to what is right for me at this stage of my life. And, and, finally asking myself what I wanted instead of um, what were the expectations of other people on me. Yeah, my story is, it started actually before college when I was growing up, you know, I had a lot of ideas of what I wanted to be, whether or not they aligned with my parents' ideas of what they wanted me to be um, was one thing. But when my brother was born, when I was 10 years old, I had decided at that point that I really wanted to be a pediatrician. He had a wonderful pediatrician um, and he was a wonderful role model for me. Um, and so that's where it kind of started. Fast forward, you know, many decades. I'm here right now. I'm currently a physician. I specialize in allergy and immunology. So I see children predominantly who have things like asthma, eczema, food allergies, um, hay fever and also children who have compromised immune systems for one reason or another. Um, and I actually do feel very fulfilled in my career right now. Um, I get to provide care to a lot of families. Um, I get to, in my role as I'm also a professor, um, of like a clinical professor of medicine, and I get to um, train our next generation of physicians and then I also have a leadership role. So I do feel very fulfilled um, in what I do. Do I think I would have been happy in other careers? I, I think I would have been, but I am very fortunate to be where I am today. Um, what I wanted to say was because I feel fulfilled doesn't mean that life doesn't still feel overwhelming to me. So people can look from the outside in and think, you know, Kathleen's got this and this, why is she, why does she need life coaching? Why does she need therapy? Um, because life is still hard. That's just, it's hard for everyone. That's just normal. Um, and so even though I'm very happy with my career, um, I decided to pursue life coaching and form this business with Jenny, because I think just life being fulfilled is not necessarily um, like the goal, I think you can go above and beyond that and really excel and be like, really make your life kind of like supercharge it. I don't, I don't necessarily know the right word for it. Um, but you can fill in all those gaps that aren't necessarily going to be filled just by a career that you love. Yeah. I appreciate you both for sharing a little bit about your journeys. 
And I think it's important what you've mentioned, especially Jenny with the uh, rival fallacy, Mm -hmm. because I think especially for young people like myself, I think we find comfort in the idea that at this point in my life, everything is going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. And it's just like, there's not going to be one point in your life where everything's going to fall into place and be okay, and you'll be 100% happy. And it's a constant process that we have to continue to move forward in our lives and I think it was um I really appreciated that you guys brought that up and I think it's important that we don't rely on this sense that like at this point in my life everything is going to be great once I accomplish all these things it's going to be a constant process of like figuring out um where your weaknesses are and where you're you might not find fulfillment and just balancing all of that so thank you for that and yeah with kind of talking about you know your personal life and your professional career and especially with starting your uh, lifestyle blog and all of that and your life coaching it's like how do you stay on top of everything and do you ever feel overwhelmed and how do you kind of time manage and find that work-life balance so for for me I think that I had mentioned earlier that I, I do feel overwhelmed at times um but what I realize now is that I actually don't have to do anything. Everything I do is a choice, right? Even going to work is a choice. Everything I pick up extra at work is a choice. Um, This business is a choice. And a lot of these pressures that I feel and the overwhelm I feel is created by me. Um, So things that have helped me time manage and really not feel overwhelmed is I'm still, it's a work in progress. I'm starting to learn to say no to things I don't actually want to do. So people pleasing is something I've been doing my entire life. Um, And just now I feel like I'm starting to have the courage to really assess each thing that's been being asked of me and deciding whether it's in line with my values and what I want to do. So I think that helps um, kind of decrease the overwhelmed. Um, And then I also feel like when you really... In life coaching, we talk about a lot about your thoughts and your feelings. So when you really examine the feeling of overwhelm, um, I think about it and like what good comes out of overwhelm? Not a lot, right? So I think we have the sense that feeling overwhelmed is somehow protecting us or it's like making us maybe more productive. But if you really examine it, when I become overwhelmed, at least, and I think for a lot of people... I kind of freeze and I don't get anything done and I create a lot of negative emotion for myself. And so just being, just realizing now when I do feel overwhelmed, asking myself, what, what am I trying to create out of this overwhelm? Um, is there anything that good, good that comes out of it? And if the answer is no, I, I try to take myself out of that motion and take myself out of that um, place and also just realize hey, all these 10 things I have lined up for today, I don't actually have to do any of those. Like I can push it off till tomorrow. I can cancel. Yes, there's going to be consequences, but ultimately you you create your life. You make all the choices for your everyday life. Yeah, I agree, Kathleen. I think, um, I think something that I've gotten better about, it just kind of echoes what you're saying is, is being a lot more intentional what, about what I decide to do in my 24 hours a day. Um, and especially since having 
kids that has definitely challenged me <laughs> in more ways than one um, because they don't care, right? Like they don't care what your schedule is. They don't care what's on your to-do list. And um, I think showing myself compassion um, about all the things that are really, you know, bouncing around in my mind that I need to do or that I think I need to do and just showing up, um, you know, as a good mom in and a, as a good business partner and um, a good wife and just also remembering to take care of myself. Um, so one of the things that has really helped me is I'm trying very hard to be more discerning with my um, social media time. And, you know, me and Kathleen, you know, you have to be on social media to some extent, especially when you're trying to promote a business and connect with people and collaborate. Um, but at the same time, we're not immune to that kind of draining, <laughs> emotional drain that social media, um, you know, has on you. And we'll, you know, we text each other and we'll be like, oh my God, I'm in my Instagram scrolling uh, hour. Can you please pull me out of this? Is like a rabbit hole. It really is. You're just like mindlessly thumb scrolling through the day. And that's when you get into a lot of like comparative thoughts, which are really negative and, and damaging to uh, your mentality. And it's catching those moments and saying like, enough, you know? Um, so one thing that I try to do is I'll just say, okay, 30 minutes on Instagram for the day. And I'm going to have it be after this, like at this time, from this time to this time, I'm going to try to do what I need to do on social media. So if that means connecting or collaborating, you have 30 minutes to do it, you know, um, and, ha and really trying to like make some meaningful, uh, relationships, you know, like we found you guys on, on Instagram and that's been wonderful. So I think there is a time and there's a place for it, but just acknowledging that it should not be your entire day. <laughs> and yeah, to Makes piggyback sense. off of that, I think also like reading yourself because sometimes you just know that you've been on social media for too long, right? It feels like you don't feel like yourself. You feel a little drained. And yes. sometimes the reason is social media. And you realize that the difference between a social media free or a phone free day is so different than being on your phone all day long. Um, and so exactly what Jenny said. And we actually, um, the business is really fun for us, actually. Um, and we have said that if this wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it. And as long as it is fun, we'll continue to do it. And so I think that helps keep things into pers in perspective is that even though we're working on it on top of what we do during the day, it is really fun, a fun thing for us. That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I totally agree with the whole social media bit. It didn't really click for me that, yeah, you are in this sort of dissociative state of looking at other people and not really living your own um, life. And yeah, not only are you draining your phone's battery, <laughs> but you're, you're indirectly draining your own battery, which I find that was a, a little click in my head just oh, now. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I completely um, agree. I think especially with quarantine, since we're spending oh, yeah. indoors, it's pretty easy to go down that social media black hole. And I think it's good that you mentioned how we need to think more intentionally about our day. So even if we might be studying from home or working from home, we still have like the choices that we make in order to be more productive and figure out what is like 
energizing us and what isn't and how do we integrate that into our lives and that 24 hours in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And realize that it, it looks different for different people. Um, so, you know, some people might still feel energetic after scrolling for an hour. That's cool. Um, for me personally, <laughs> my mark is more like 20 minutes, I think. And then it just is like, all right, I feel really bad about myself right now. Like, why is everyone having such a cool, awesome, like, you know, they're going out to eat, whatever. Like, it's just a lot of um, FOMO. Uh, so I just intentionally tried not to expose myself to that and just, um, you know, anchor myself in what I'm grateful for and what I'm actually experiencing in my own life. Um, and that helps a lot. And social media um, is, we looked into this and social media is meant to keep you addicted, right? Have you all watched Netflix? Is it Social Dilemma? Yeah. Yeah. And how your brain works and the notifications and all that. It's like you are actually, a, you can become addicted to your phone. It's a real thing. Um, and so just realizing that and Jenny and I actually created like a, like a time management worksheet for anyone interested. It's basically seven days to get your, your week in order and to basically extract an hour out of your day that you could be use you could use to spend on anything else um and we have some tips in that but i think that doing a time audit is really big if you want to free up time in your day to do other things it's so eye-opening to realize that hey we actually spent like 40 minutes on tiktok and we spent like an hour and a half scrolling through instagram and not just those things like i should have checked my email for 10 minutes at noon, but instead I checked it 10 times for five minutes each. And that really adds up, right? So doing a time audit is something I encourage everyone to do. Just write down everything you're doing in a day. And it can be really eye-opening. Like, what if you stop doing this task? Is it going to affect your day? Um, can this task be delegated? Um, can it be back? Batching, batching. Yeah, batching is huge. Yeah. So bad, bad. Sorry, did you say batching? batching? Yeah, B-A-T-C-H-I-N-G. Um, so batching is basically like, are there similar activities that you can just get done in like one sitting? So for me, you know, and for a lot of people, correspondence is huge, right? So like emails, but instead of checking emails every time it dings or you get a notification, just say like between 5.30 and 6, that's like my email, email time. So you batch it all together, get all your correspondence. And then also it kind of trains people that are trying to get in touch with you that you're not going to be available and answer within like one minute all the time, which is just ridiculous to expect that of yourself and for other people. Um, so you can apply that to your emails. You can apply that to even text messages. That's been something I've been trying to work on too, is like, I should not be available by text 24 hours a day. Like, and I shouldn't expect that of other people too. Um, but that's just, I think the way, you know, easy accessibility is just what we expect, I guess, of each other. Um, but you can change that and you can kind of train the people around you not to expect that from you. That was good advice. Yeah, I realize I'm always next to yeah. my phone and it's always flipped on and then I just see the notifications roll in. I'm like, okay, if they have something important, it turns out it's just like a meme. Exactly. Me, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that could definitely been put on hold. <laughs> if anything, I really should get in, um, put a process in place, like what you all were saying about yeah. batching or even like training the people around me with um, 
putting my ringer on instead and having people call me yes. if they really need to get a hold of me as opposed to texting me hey hey kilo are you do you have a minute and like just keep texting me that I'm like no if they really should have a question or anything like that yeah um stretching to break that barrier I know a lot of us at least for me um don't like to call people too much but I think to reinstitute that whole social media versus um reality divide or having that in place instead of um having it blurred um that would really help. yeah I think just the mm-hmm. the ease of it all with like texting and dming you it it just allows people to infiltrate in your your space literally all day long um and so you can be having private you know like your self-care time or whatever and then oh there's like the ding for text message and turns out like you said it's just like a little meme and I'm not trying to diminish memes I love memes but like (laughs) you need to like respond to it within five seconds and like tell the other person what you thought of the meme like probably not um so yeah I would definitely encourage people just to be a little bit more mindful is it gonna look the right way every single day no like we both me and Kathleen get sucked in (laughs) um into that social media uh whole all the time, but um, just trying to think about it a little bit more. It's just like the mind shift is hard. Every time you, um, something else happens and you go away from what you're doing right now, that physical, just shifting your mind to another task takes so much energy and brain power. That's why batching works is you just do everything at once. And like Jenny said, setting expectations for other people and almost like boundaries can be just so much better to your mental health and the way that your day flows. Yeah. And you could even like tell your close friends or your family, like, Hey guys, I'm trying this new thing, seeing how it is. I'm not going to be responding to texts after like, yeah, that's going to be my time to like read a book or watch Netflix or whatever you want to do without being interrupted. And so that'll hold you accountable and then it'll hold, you know, the people that are close to you that are constantly texting you memes accountable. (laughs) yeah I think that's um value advice for like me as well because I feel like I don't move about my day as intentionally Mm -hmm. as I should so I think um both of you mentioning batching and just different time management processes like that is super helpful and setting boundaries because I think moving about more intentionally about our process and how it might take up time is super helpful to me because I feel like it's easy to get overwhelmed with like school responsibilities and you like internship responsibilities and like your own personal uh, life as well. So I think batching out your time like that is super important and I think it's great advice. Um, We all kind of touched upon it a little with um, explaining how you got there and your stories, but I guess can we get like a true definition or uh, response to what does it mean to live your life authentically? I know that's uh, one of your like core values that you really mm-hmm. try to emphasize. Um, how does this like balance with your own interests and external yes. factors? Yes. Um, so living authentically, like you mentioned, is definitely something that we try to emphasize um, in our coaching. And really, it's it's just having um, you know conscious choices that we make to show up and, and truly be ourselves and living aligned with, um, you know, how we want to live our life and not really 
like just letting go of what other people expect. Um, and, you know, obviously it's hard and we get that. We both were raised, I think, pretty similarly, kind of gener generally speaking, um, with traditional Asian American parents who they do not hold back, right? Like what your their expectations are of you um, and not just your parents, but your, aunt, your aunties and your uncles and your grandma and grandpa and the neighbor. And um, everyone seems to have this uh, life plan for you and a roadmap for what you should be achieving in life. Um, and I think it's really easy for um, us to go through life um, kind of associating our self-worth with what other people want from us um, and kind of yearning for that approval from our parents. And um, I think it took a lot of inner work for myself, especially to let go of that. Um, and we have this saying, you know, just stop shooting all over your life because it feels like that sometimes, right? Um, every decision that you make, it seems like it's not even coming from within. It's coming from this self-imposed or I guess imposed from your family, um, what they expect, what they expect of you. And I think it's just acknowledging that, you know, you're an adult, you're your own grown up. That's kind of where the name came from. Um, and it's embracing that and, and feeling empowered that you do have the, you have the, um, ability to make your own decisions in life. Yeah, what Jenny said, and we really think that, and what we found to be important for ourselves is just trusting yourself to look inward um, when you make decisions for yourself, mm -hmm. instead of that approval. We're raised to be approval addicts. Most of us are. Um, we look for outside approval. We're trained. It's not our fault. We're trained to want approval for every decision we make. Um, and so when we don't get that approval or when we get disapproval, it can just be really like heartbreaking and really have negative effects on us. Um, and so living authentically is quieting the outer voices and looking inside. And what does your inner voice say of, of who you want to be and not what other people think you should be? Or what the world thinks you should be. It's really hard because the world and people in it are really trying, they do everything to make you um, not yourself, right? Not just your family, but advertisements, like people, the images were shown every day on TV and advertisements, things like that. They're, the whole world is trying to make us who not necessarily we want to be on the inside. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah if you were to sit back and just kind of reflect on when you last felt like your most authentic self, a lot of people that we coach, you know, they hearken back to their childhood before a lot of these impositions and opinions, you know, when you were like five years old running through a field and like screaming at the top of your lungs or just like engaging in activity that just brings you true joy, being creative, being silly, and not really caring what other people think. Um, and it's trying to harness that, thinking back on that time. Um, because like Kathleen said, we just sort of go through life in this very sort of um, 
methodical and like rehearsed sort of way, you know, this is how I should be. This is, you know, what's going to be looked upon favorably by society and by my family. This is the prestigious job that I should have. This is the boyfriend or the partner that would make other people jealous of me. This is whatever. Um, and like Kathleen said, it's really about intuition. Um, and that's a word that I never really used a lot before in my life. Um, and now I describe it to people as, you know, turning up the volume of your own voice and just truly listening to what makes you happy and what will make you thrive and what will challenge you in a new and different way um, that'll stretch you and make you grow. Um, and I think that's what we really try to impart um, to the people that we are coaching. Absolutely. And I think I have a question that's kind of in the same vein of what you've been talking about. And I think personally for me, I think um, for myself and I'm sure a lot of other Asian Americans, we feel that on top of that approval seeking, there's this feeling of because they're first generation, especially that their parents hardship as immigrants, there's mm -hmm. a sense of obligation to live in a way that their parents or family see fit in order to kind of show gratitude for their struggle. And I've just kind of wondered, how do you kind of manage this burden while trying to live your life authentically? So that's a great question. Um, so for me personally, I, it took me a long time to understand that those two feelings are not mutually exclusive. Like you can be grateful to your parents and also live your own life. Um, and I think, like you said, there is definitely this feeling of indebtedness to, to our parents. And unfortunately, you know, our parents, whether they do this consciously or subconsciously, their method of parenting us has been really rooted in, in, in guilt and, and shaming. Um, and it's, you're, they're trying to like have you live this certain life, but it's extrinsically motivated, extrinsically um, being motivated for you. Like it, there's nothing intrinsic about it, you know? So you end up, you know, following this uh, straight path towards whatever goal they want, but is it something that you truly want or are you doing it for the prestige or the money or because your parents told you to do it? Um, and I think that that was for me personally, something that I struggled with growing up in a family with a lot of physicians. And I, I was very blessed to have a lot of opportunities in my life. And I felt exactly like what you're saying, um, you know, and they would definitely tell me that like, oh, well, we sent you to the best schools and you, um, had all these opportunities. So, and it's not even that they said like, you become a physician, I mean, they might have said that. <laughs> Maybe I blocked that out <laughs> of my mind. <laughs> um, but it it's definitely something that I told myself literally every day. I equated being a physician to the only way that they'd be proud of me. And, um, you know, it had to happen, I guess, when I was 36 years old, which I, that's how old I am now, to be like, all right, that's cool. Um, I'm also going to try to listen to what I want and, and to pivot a little. 
Um, and so I know that that might not be that encouraging to you guys, but you know, you're, you're in college. Um, and I coach a lot of other physicians that are even older than me. I think there's this collective understanding, like when I was in college, I thought everyone had it all together. You know, like I, I looked at people that were like in their thirties and forties with these amazing jobs in the house and, um, you know, the husband and the kids. And it's like, Oh my gosh, that's like awesome that they must be so happy. Right. When they have X, Y, and Z, but every single stage has its own, um, struggles like we were talking about. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you need to do what is right for you. Um, and your parents will, they will love you. It's not going to be easy, but I think letting go of that need for approval is the first step to change that internally in your own mind. Yeah, I feel this. I mean, I felt this my entire life. Like my parents left a country they were familiar with where they had all their parents or their parents, their family and um, the language they knew to, to essentially live a, um, a life that is very much different and financially is, is harder um, in a country they is not home to them, a language that's not their native language. Um, and so, yes, I felt indebted my entire life to my parents um, and felt like that meant I couldn't live the life I wanted to live. Um, but what Jenny said is very true. They're not mutually exclusive. You can you can have one and the other. So you can love your parents very deeply and you can live your own life. You can be grateful for them and also know that what they may not know what's best for you, Right there's this duality in, I mean, in the name of Asian American, like we're Asian and we're American. Um, and you can have both. And like Jenny said, it's not going to be easy. You're going to get pushback, but um, you have to have your eye on kind of the long-term, your long-term vision and your goals, which is how would it feel to live a life that's truly yours? Because if you ask your parents, they, they want you to be happy. Um, and Yes, maybe your choices aren't in line with what choices they would make for you. And and maybe initially they're not going to be overjoyed if that's the case. Um, but ultimately, your parents do want what's best for you. I think that does hold true for all families, regardless of what you what your upbringing has told you about if you make different choices than what is expected of you. Right. That makes sense a lot. Um, I was reading up on... Uh that you're able to love and, well, hate is a strong word, but hate one person. And it applies to anyone. And uh, the way, the context that I saw it wasn't with my parents. I don't necessarily hate them, but there are instances where I wish I would have been able to do something else. But I would still, as you were saying, like in long-term, there's a no doubt that I still love my parents. It's just the decisions I made versus what they did um, are two different things, but in the end, I, I understand where they came from or not truly, but you know, um, what they've told me, what I've seen. And I know that they would want the best for me. And I think, yeah, having that mentality of, um, they're always there for me and not necessarily as a barrier, but as someone to, um, bring up is 
is important to always have in the back of my mind because sometimes I forget about that. I think that's a really great point, Kilo. And something that we talk a lot about too is um, this concept of, of placing compassion on your parents and trying to truly understand where they come from, where they're coming from. Um, like what is it about their upbringing and about their life that makes them parent the way that they parent, you know? Um, I don't think that they realize what they're doing can be labeled as, you know, shame and guilt and, and things like that. And really parenting out of fear. Um, I don't think that they even are aware that they do that, but it's just so ingrained, you know, in how, in their culture and how they were probably raised too. Um, and so instead of like looking at them with resentment, which is really how I looked at them for a very long time, I try to understand now and I try not to, I try to understand also my triggers um, and shift how I approach them and how I talk to them so that every interaction is more peaceful. And that doesn't mean I'm doing what they want. I'm for the first time not doing what they want. Um, but it, it truly has changed the way I interact with them um, because I'm not struggling so hard to, to earn their approval. Um, and I think that they have noticed that shift in me. It's not something like came to them and I was like, hey, I went through life coaching and now I know how to talk to you. <laughs> like, it's just, um, you know, inside myself. Um, and, and that has been made such a huge difference. And it has also informed, I think, how I'm raising my own, my own kids too. Yeah, back to your question earlier when you said like, how do you uh, live your life when you feel indebted to your parents' struggles and what they went through to get you here? Um, one last thing I just want to say is that it, your parents' struggles, does they don't negate yours. So they, their struggles doesn't, they don't make your struggles any less. You're just, they're different lives. Um, and so you can't really do, I mean, we do a lot of this, right? Comparison, um, comparatively, like, oh, my struggles are first world problems, whereas my parents went through X, Y, and Z. Um, and when you really delve into it, I find that some of this, not all of this, but some of this is like in my own mind, which life coaching oh. is really interesting. Yeah. And 100%. bring that up is when I ask my, like I had a conversation with my father about this and he totally recognizes that my struggles are not the same as his struggles, but he validated my struggles. Whereas in my whole life, I felt, I never like verbalized that I felt like, oh, my struggles are nothing. And so I'm not going to talk to him about it. Um, so both every, both your struggles and your parents' struggles are valid. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that word of advice. And I think that when we approach situations of conflict with our parents, it's especially important, especially for me moving forward to understand, even though what they're saying directly, it's important to think about like, what is their core intention and where are they coming from with that? And I think when both parties can understand that our core intentions are never to hurt one another, one another um, that we can move forward easier. And it, it's not gonna be like an easy process, but I think when we both can understand each other and our core values and not necessarily what we're saying directly, 
and understanding the root of that. Is really yes, helpful. Cece. And I also wanted to add, I love how you talked about core values, which is something we really um, dive into in our coaching program. Um, so for those that don't know, core values are really what you find to be important in life and what you want your life to be about. Um, so, you know, there's a variety of things. It could be um, wealth, power, authenticity, collaboration, connection, um, independence and autonomy. There's so many different values that people really should take the time to reflect on and figure out what they want to be showing up in their life every day. Um, and it's only when you do that, that you can feel, you will feel a sense of fulfillment. Um, and I, I see that a lot in people that I coach, um, you know, they'll come to me and say, you know, I have this amazing life and I feel guilty that I don't feel fulfilled or I'm not feeling, um, you know, there's something missing. I don't have purpose. And we'll like go through this, these kind of exercises and it turns out they value all these different things that are not showing up in their life every day. Um, and that's something that people need to be aware of because a lot of times, especially with our upbringing, we just assume that what we value is what our family values or what our parents value. Um, and it could be, and that's awesome, but it can also change and you can have your own things that you value that are so different than what your family and what your parents value. Um, and so I'd encourage people to really think about that um, and, and, and reflect on that. Thank you. Um, I also, we all, we all came in with a little bit of a personal question. So I have a personal question of myself mm -hmm. where how do you acknowledge something that has like happened to you and grow as a person? Like, where do you draw the line to know what you're able to change right now and what you cannot change right now? Like this question is more about, you know, you can only blame upbringing so much. So you have to start taking action and responsibility for yourself. But when do you know, like, as an analogy, like when to come out of your shell, right? Or what, at what point are you, do you feel like, where's the process in that? Because I think for me, I struggle a little bit of, am I able to do something about it right now? And if sometimes I'm not, but I still try. And I think it goes against the grain of like my mental health of, oh, I didn't succeed. So therefore I can't do it again versus I should have more time waiting and doing it again. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and I think something all of us can relate to and struggle with. So something that's core to what we do with life coaching is trying to parse out um, what we call circumstances. So circumstances are, are things you can't change. And part of circumstances are your past. And you brought that up that you, you can't change your past. Um, but you are in full control of your, your present and your future. Um, and so you might have heard this saying, I don't know that there's actually, we know who said it, but life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. So your upbringing and your past brought you to this point, but everything from here on out, um, it is in your power. And I love that you use the word blame because I think that's something that a lot of us use when we talk about our past, when we feel like things were unfair or maybe um, just not what we expected. And uh, we really feel like the word blame has makes us feel like a victim, right? Like we're victim to our circumstances and really the power is in someone else or something else. Like our past is the power. 
But what we really do try to do through our coaching is help you feel empowered um, that you have the power to change your present and future, regardless of what your past is. I think it's important to acknowledge your past and understand how your past brought you to your present. Um, but going forward, really, the power is is in you um, and you can do whatever you want, regardless of what your past is. Yeah, I for some re- I never heard of that quote before. So it's very insightful for me to think that, yeah what you you don't know what the future holds truly and the past is only i don't uh there so you can carve out a future or carve out what you want to do in the present and i think that's a that's a good mindset to always be in i'm always um i also saw this on your your instagram page but the growth versus fixed mindset mm-hmm. i remember learning about it in my psych class and it's always i always go like just got to turn on that growth mindset mm-hmm. you can change something versus I'm stuck here and feeling stuck is and mentally feeling stuck is not the greatest place to be where I'm thinking, yeah, always um, trying to reframe how you think things is important, despite it being very easy not to frame it in such uh, in that way. Yeah. And feeling stuck, like if you think about how you feel when you feel stuck, stuck doesn't lead to a lot of action, right? Stuck is like, Um, some people call it like an indulgent emotion, which means like you feel it, but it doesn't do anything. There's no action that comes out of it. Um, but yet a lot of us feel stuck. Um, and that's, it almost gives you like permission, like the word itself just gives you permission to just like not do anything. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I hate that word, but it's such a, it's a word that I've used like my whole life, pretty much, um, when things wouldn't go my way, or if I was in a circumstance that I didn't feel like I had any power over, you just resign yourself to being stuck, you know. Um, but I love what you mentioned about growth versus fixed mindset. Um, and really how you can, if with one simple change in your mindset, like take your failures or take things that are struggles for you and use them as springboards to go to your next step or try something different and try something new. Um, And I think it's pretty common for, you know, high achievers and um, people like perfectionists to just not even want to do it if they think there's even a little small chance that you'll fail. Um, And that's the problem, right? You don't, you're not going to grow that way. Um, So you have to be okay with, with maybe having a setback or two, maybe things not going perfectly. Um, because it's still, it's about the process. It's more about the process than it is about that, you know, goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's like kind of like probably at the core of what you want to emphasize is like the power of your mindset. And I think when we deal with our past and our upbringing, we can use it not as a tool that holds us back, but as something that we can reflect on and I think instead of taking that mindset of like my past is what's holding me back it's more so switching that mindset to this is my past and these are my circumstances Mm -hmm. how can I grow from that and yeah absolutely I think you can look at your past and how you were raised with compassion and and know that it brought you to where you are right now and then really it's up to you where you go from here all right so we have a question from our other co-host, Nell, and for her, it's she says, from her experience as an Asian American woman, 
the mindset of suppressing vulnerability is common amongst not only herself, but to her peers as well. What are some ways that your life coaching program addresses and supports? Yeah, so one of our core values is vulnerability, and that's something that we definitely try to encourage in our in our community. Um, especially, I mean, it's just such a powerful feeling to be around other women that have just this collective experience. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really grow up with a lot of um, Asian American friends at all. I think you guys are in the Bay Area, so you probably did, right? <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Delaware. So there it was like, <laughs> you look up the census for my town, like literally 0.3% is Asian American. And I was like breaking it down by the population like many years ago. And I think all of those people were like living in my house. <laughs> um, so, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone to share this, these feelings with. Um, I felt very, very alone. Um, and so, you know, connecting with people um, about topics like this that I know that they understand has, I think, I think that's like where our power lies is in our community and knowing that we all experience this um, and that you're not alone. And in our group coaching, it's very powerful just hearing, I think a lot of people glean, um, you know, those aha moments where you're looking at your life in a different way by listening to what other people are going through and knowing that they have that ex same experience and watching them get coached too. It, it allows you to detach yourself um, in, a, in a way and, and see kind of that similar similar experience. I just realized that we all, uh, looking back at your core values that um, from your website, mm -hmm. we all touched upon, yeah, vulnerability, empowerment, and vulner or, um, and authenticity. Yes. And I, I don't, we didn't, I'm sure we uh, glanced at it and then we wrote questions, but I'm just reflecting back, we really just hit all those three pillars. Yay. And those are really true. Yes. <laughs> We're, we're going to hit up closing soon. And we're wondering now that you've accomplished so much throughout your life. Do you have any maybe like final advice for our listeners? I know this is more, this is like a, a process that you have to go through, but maybe something to start off with, especially for Asian American women um, listening in uh, that you'd like to pass on. So uh, for me, I think, um, and we've touched on this throughout this hour, but the idea that your life path isn't set for you um, and that you really are the author of your own story. And when you look at it that way, your future just seems really exciting and like there's endless possibilities. Um, and then something else, a newer mindset I've adopted actually after reading a book, um, I'm not sure if you know who Marie Forleo is, but um, she's also a coach and she wrote a book called Everything is Figure Outable, the idea that everything you want to happen for you in life, there, there's a way. And you just have to find out that way. And so really emphasizing that growth mindset, I think is important. Yeah. And I would just, I completely agree, Kathleen. I think that's really at the heart of what we try to teach and coach on um, is that we can create the life that, that we want. Um, and just saying it that way opens up so many, so many, you know, possibilities that I think, when you don't allow yourself to do that, you're just so used to just, you know, thinking like, okay, this is my life. I'm just the bystander here. All these choices are being made for me. These aren't my decisions. 
um, and you're just kind of like following along, you don't feel empowered. Um, and now with that just shift in your mindset, I think um, you really can see life for what it is and, it, and it's um, not going to be easy and there's going to be challenges, but at least, and maybe some failures and setbacks, but at least you can know that every decision that you've made is your own and you've really tuned into what you truly want. With that being said, please check them out on their Instagram at The Grown Up Asian and on their website, thegrownupasian.com for more great content. Also, are there any upcoming projects you'd like our listeners to know about? We actually have a webinar coming up November 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, and it's about how to have a peaceful holiday with your family, which is perfect timing. Um, we'll be around all of our relatives um, and a lot of opinions. <laughs> and um, we will be just going through, you know, some coaching and some tips and advice on how to navigate that. Um, and then in December, we'll be launching our group coaching program as well. So there'll be more information on that at the webinar. Yeah, and the webinar is free and you can um, sign up. We have a link up in our bio on our Instagram where you can sign up. Um, and I know that 7 p.m. Eastern may not work for everyone, especially if you're on Pacific time or any other time zone um, or other conflicts. So if you're interested in attending the webinar, you're not able to make it, you can also just send us a message and we'll, we'll try to offer you those tips um, offline. Thank you so much. We had so much Thank fun. You. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so this much. is great. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, and for giving us, us a chance to. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a great episode. And thankfully, that was our season finale and our first collaboration. And I really hope everyone got something out of it because we surely did. So what are your thoughts on how the episode went? What did you learn from it? I think I personally did get a lot of from that conversation. And I think that, I mean, for us, you know, we're kind of in our early 20s, very much in that turbulent kind of trying to figure yourself out stage in life. So I think it was really comforting to gain a perspective from women that are a little bit more older than us and have more career experience and more life experience. So I think getting their perspective from things kind of helped me learn to move more intentionally with my life because I feel like a lot of the bulk of our conversation was really kind of breaking down like the larger moments in our life and the smaller ones and how do we reflect on that and move on each little task with a little bit more intention and how those kind of accumulate to our purpose in life so I think for me what I took out of it the most was just kind of approaching my day intentionally and thinking more about my purpose each day Mm -hmm. yes. what about you I totally Kayla? agree yeah I totally agree with um with Cece I learned a lot of like I like to learn different terminologies and one of the like the three that are standing out to me right now after reflecting would be like the rival fallacy batching and like what does it really mean to victim blame and how to avoid getting out of that mindset and I thought all those three are very um not symbolic but like they're really important to acknowledge so then you become as Cece was saying, more intentional about what you're doing and how your your day is flowing. Because ultimately, all your days will add up and um, that will eventually be part of what you're doing for the future. And I, I really like they quote what they said, what Kathleen said, I believe, 
where she was saying 10% of your past, or you spend 10% of your past and 90% of your future or something along those lines. And essentially saying that, you, you know, the presence is in your hands to do everything you want for the future. And I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed our, um, we essentially had different questions for the pillars, like the authenticity, um, empowerment and vulnerability. And I thought that was really neat that we all had questions that we would like to work on our for ourselves. Yeah, I'm glad both of you got something out of our collaboration with the grown up Asians. And it perfectly aligned with our season finale for season one. Yeah, and speaking of our season finale, you know, we're finally here. We've made it 15 episodes through. And I kind of wanted to get both of your reflections on the season overall and maybe like what you've took taken from these past couple of months of us doing this podcast. For sure. I think I've really developed more of a of a sense for the news now. I think I credit that to you, Cece. I'm just more more on it. And I am grateful for that as well as, okay, if I had to pick one that had like great, like one-liners, I'm just thinking of what you were saying in the freaking pack it up potato police. Dude, <laughs> that was gold. There were so many one-liners or, or Brock Hampton. Oh, that was good too. I just think of all that great stuff. What about y'all? I would say, um, it gave me an opportunity or, you know, this podcast gave me an opportunity to, you know, branch out to a more creative aspect of my life because, you know, um, it helps me, I guess, be creative and, you know, help develop the brand and stuff like that. And the IG, I guess, cover photos for our episodes. Um, so I think that was really nice and just catching up with both, Kilo and Cece every you know couple weeks is really nice too Mm -hmm. yeah I second that sentiment and yeah shout out to Nell for the graphic design she's kind of our graphic design master in terms of social media Um, so in terms of like what I've gotten the most out of this first season uh, I second that sentiment that it gives us an opportunity to catch up more because like, I feel like in a sense, like everybody gets busy and I think almost just by like planning this out, we just kind of uh, organically like, oh yeah, we meet every so often and catch up just for the sake of that. And I think because of that, in addition to the podcast format, I think it's allowed us to have more conversations that maybe we wouldn't have initiated otherwise just from like the nature of the format. So I think like I've been able to kind of get your thoughts on different topics, whether it's like current events or just like random like social and relationship dynamics. So I think I gained a lot by learning about your different perspectives in a way that I don't think I would have gotten if we didn't do this podcast. So I'm super thankful for that. Round of applause that we've grown so much. We did 15 episodes while balancing, you know, our personal lives, like, I guess, academic lives, like, just pat on the back to all of us, y'all. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. For real. And I think it's great. And uh, we're gonna try to keep it going, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. give some fresh and new ideas. Yeah, we have a lot planned for season two. And um, I feel like now that we've gotten familiar with podcasts, 
in the you know the flow of things we can only go up from here and you know hopefully everyone will continue to watch us grow and continue to listen to us Mm -hmm. yes thank you for listening to our our passion project baby and Mm -hmm. now we're we're hoping to nurture it more for season two we have as um, Nell was saying, we have some stuff in store that we like to implement, and we're really interested in testing these new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say make sure to follow us on social media because we're going to be giving different updates and letting you know when we're going to be starting up our second season. And we're going to be posting some fresh content on the Instagram feed so you guys can have things to keep up with during our hiatus. So with that, make sure to follow us at Subtle Asian Talks on Instagram and to make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there and you're liking what you're hearing. And overall, I'm glad you guys are still here and I hope you guys continue to follow us through our podcasting journey. And also another plug, make sure to check out Kathleen and Jenny's webinar that's going to be on November 17th at 5.30 Pacific time. And make sure you follow them on their Instagram at the Grown Up Asian and make sure to either sign up at the link in their bio or DM them. And it's going to be really interesting as the holidays because it's going to be about family triggers. So I really recommend you guys that that seminar. Also, yes, the webinar, it's totally free. So all you have to do is check out their link in their bio or on their website. I'm not too sure if you mentioned that, CC, but I just want to emphasize it is free. You can learn free content that will benefit you. Just plugging that in. All right. <laughs> and with that, we'll see you early 2021 and hope you stick with us. Bye, yes. everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.